4: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No prescription. Advertised by law. 18
3: plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: It's time to play like a jet. With your host
0: Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Beckton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings, that large should not run as fast as Makai Beckton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai-Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in, zone wide open touchdown. First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson. And it goes to Corey
4: Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones has just caught flat footed. What an
0: excellent, excellent round. Bill hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and it's the QA. Oh my gosh! Listen,
3: thank you.
5: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at play like a jet one and wanted to learn a little bit more about Jamison Williams beyond the X's and O's, so. Went back to an old friend who was a guest a couple of years ago when we were talking about the receivers the Jets might draft out of Alabama, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, Travis Ryer, who runs BamaOnline.com. He's one of the most knowledgeable guys out there as far as Alabama Crimson Tide sports, so I'm really glad he could come back on to talk Jamison Williams. Travis, thanks so much for coming back on the show, sir.
6: Hey, good to hear from you again, Scott. Love doing it.
5: So, Travis, let's talk about how Jamison Williams first ended up. ...at Alabama. He grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, graduated from Loyola Academy of St. Louis, attended Cardinal Ritter College Prep High School played for their football team, had an enormous senior season, 36 catches, 1,062 yards, 15 touchdowns, three kick return TDs, Under Armour All-American, and he was a four-star prospect who had offers from all over the place, including Alabama, UCLA, Oregon, Nebraska, and Ohio State. By the way, he was also an accomplished track athlete, not surprising since we know what the story is with his speed. Then he goes to Ohio State, and he catches six passes for 112 yards and a touchdown his freshman year. As a sophomore, he has nine catches for 154 yards and two touchdowns, so he's not getting used a ton. In the Sugar Bowl, he ends up scoring a 45-yard touchdown against Clemson, so that was his most notable moment there. But then he decides he's going to enter the transfer portal, and part of the reason is because Ohio State has Alave there, they've got Garrett Wilson, two guys that are likely going to go in the first round, and Alabama had just lost their two top receivers in Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith. So Travis, let's start there. What do you remember about the process of Jamison Williams transferring to Alabama from Ohio State? Because... Williams says that it was a very tough decision for him in the first place to not go to Alabama, to go to Ohio State instead. In fact, his father was pushing hard for him to go to Alabama, and it caused a little bit of a fight between the two of them. So what do you recall about all of this?
6: Yeah, I know Alabama was very involved initially in the recruiting process with, at the time, Craig Kuligowski, uh, the area recruiter. Craig had worked at Missouri Uh, previously so there was some familiarity certainly with the St. Louis high schools and football around that area in general you also had Josh Gaddis the wide receivers coach at the time at Alabama since moved on to Michigan of course now at the University of Miami as the offensive coordinator for Mario Cristobal down in Coral Gables so a lot of interesting storylines involved in that process. I think UCLA was a big part of that recruitment with Jamison Williams as well. But you know, those relationships and now with the transfer portal being what it is, such a uh, dominant piece to the the roster assembling process, uh, you don't know who you're recruiting uh, sometimes. You, you don't know if you're recruiting a guy that's going to end up in – your immediate class or class coming up a couple cycles down the road, Scott, or if it's a guy that even if he doesn't pick you initially, uh, you want to build a great relationship because there is the very real possibility that, you know, at some point, wherever he lands, he could look to maybe circle back and uh, end up at your place. So with Jamison, you know, maybe some of it initially was he looked at Alabama's wide receiver room and thought, man, they're still going to have, regardless, they're going to have Waddle, they're going to have Devontae Smith. You know, even if a couple of these guys at the four do go the three and out route, there is the likelihood of, well, Waddle's going to be around for 2019. And uh, certainly there's the possibility Devontae Smith being back for 19 and 20. So I'm sure it still looked a little bit stacked to him, but you're right. Ohio State ended up being just as tough to navigate. And so, you know, once you moved on from Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, you brought back John Mechie, really good receiver, and number one caliber receiver at the college level anyway, the power five level. But they didn't have that over the top threat that they had had in previous years. Coming out of spring practice a year ago at this time, they felt really good about Mechie, and then they had a lot of possibilities, and they were bringing in a couple of five-star types on the outside, but nothing to the point where they felt really, really good about that player to complement Mechie on the other side. So they went the portal option, and you know Williams was available, and all's well that ends well, I guess you could say, because <laughs> Jamison was absolutely electric in his one season with the Crimson side and... Uh, working alongside Mechie, that was as good of a duo right there with the Ohio State guys as any you would find in college football.
1: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom?
3: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
0: <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
5: Travis, how quickly did Williams begin to fit in and how fast did you and everybody else around the Alabama program start to realize that Alabama might have had something really special? Somebody that could be another Jalen Waddell type home run hitter.
6: Yeah, throughout the summer after his arrival, which you were a little concerned about because there really wasn't any continuity, obviously, between Jamison and Bryce Young and, you know, figured from an offense Uh, transition perspective, he was going to be able to do that seamlessly from what Ohio State does into what Alabama does when you consider route trees and the different ways in which they use guys at the different spots at the receiver position. So that wasn't as much of a concern, but you did want to kind of get a feel for how quickly he would settle in with his quarterback. And you started to hear some real positive things coming from the voluntary workouts and, you know, those sessions that the players largely put together themselves in June and July. And by the time Alabama entered fall camp last August, it was almost a given that from day one, this guy was going to be a top three receiver for Alabama with an emphasis on he and Mechie working at the X And Z primarily uh, together. So and that's exactly the way it played out. You saw it in the season opener against Miami when he really didn't waste a lot of time hitting an explosive and that win for a touchdown. And from there, he just sort of flourished.
5: What was the relationship like between Williams and the coaches and Williams and his teammates? You mentioned Bryce Young and how it took a little bit of time for him to get on the same page with his quarterback. Tell me a little bit more about what you know regarding his relationships with not only Young, but the rest of the players on the team and not just Saban, but all the other coaches.
6: Really what you you took from it was positives. Um, You always wonder about that from the team dynamic with guys coming in and you know, how that can maybe upset the, you know, uh, the cart a little bit from from that perspective. But you didn't really get any of that in in what you were hearing about Jamison coming in. In fact, I think he impressed the coaching staff immensely with his toughness, more so than even his dynamic speed, because they expected that. They primarily went out and got Jamison Williams for that, his ability to get over the top. Uh, of secondaries uh, in, in the passing game. But, you know, this ended up being a guy that worked at the gunner position on punts, just like Devontae Smith before him, because and we heard it from Nick Saban on multiple occasions, referred to Jamison Williams as having uh, the some of the dog in him that you like in players at other positions, like safety or linebacker. So I think maybe that was not something that caught them totally off guard, but it was a pleasant surprise to see that he had that element to him as well. In fact, maybe a little too much because in the win over Auburn in the Iron Bowl, as you probably recall, he was ejected for targeting mm-hmm. while covering a punt. You know, not, <laughs> not a blindside block or something like that at the receiver position, but, you know, this was a guy that, that showed the coaching staff and his teammates quickly, I am an all-around football player, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes um, to, to help the team win, even if that includes covering punts.
5: Travis, Alabama has had some tremendous wide receivers over the last few years. You could go back a little bit to Amari Cooper, but just in the last few years, you had Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, and now Jamison Williams, who looks like he's going to go in the first round as well. So Alabama's had two wide receivers go in the first round each of the previous two years. Probably not going to have two of them this year, although John Mechie likely to go sometime in the first few rounds. Talk to me a little bit about Jamison Williams compared to those other receivers. How do you think he stacks up with those guys based on what you saw in his one year at Alabama? I think that he compares somewhat favorably to Jalen Waddell, similar type players. What are your thoughts?
6: Yeah, I think what's unique about all those guys is that they're a little bit different. I don't look at any of those five and say, well, these two definitely line up um, and are very much in line with one another in terms of skill sets and how they're wired and route running and willingness and ability as blockers, although that's a non-negotiable at a place like Alabama, regardless of how talented you are as a receiver. So, you know, what I like about Jamison is uh, I think his best football is still very much in front of him. He has the game-breaking speed. I think in terms of consistency with his hands, uh, his route running, uh, he's only going to get better in those areas. So, I wouldn't say he was as polished at the time that he left Alabama as maybe Jerry, Judy or Devante in some of the technical aspects of the position, maybe even, um, you know, rugs or waddle for that matter. But uh, there's no denying that he has as far as top end speed, he's rugs like um, probably waddle like Judy wasn't slow by any means, neither was Devante. So. You know, all those guys, they had that ability, whether it was after the catch, whether it was on intermediate routes, third and eight, or if it was first and 10, and let's take a shot from favorable field position, uh, they were capable of doing everything you would want from a receiver. And so Jamison fits in quite nicely with those four guys. And again, I think what makes that run unique, and it's still ongoing, um, is that there's there's just enough slight differences in each of those players uh, that it certainly makes for an interesting conversation.
5: Travis, what's Jameson Williams like personality-wise? You said that he got ejected for targeting against Auburn, which we all remember well, which showed a little bit of a fiery personality, but he also doesn't seem like he's some sort of outspoken, outlandish kid. What can you tell me about
6: him? He likes to have fun and I would say he's certainly confident. He does not lack confidence, but, you know, he'll do some things on social media that, you know, show his personality, maybe a little bit more so than what you would see from him at the podium. Although he, he has fun with that as well. Uh, He's a good dresser by all accounts. You know, he has some fun with his pregame wardrobe a lot of times on social media. Um, Just seems like the kind of guy you'd you'd like to spend some time around. I wouldn't say he's extremely outgoing, uh, but he does exude confidence uh, just about in every way imaginable. And, uh, you know, when you look at the, the boxes that you're checking for the next level with character and personality and uh, the team dynamic and all those things taken into account, you know, I think that's an area where Jamison really helps himself in this process, especially since he's coming off an injury that knocks him down a little bit.
5: I know it was the National Championship game, so emotions were running high anyway. But describe for me the reaction of the fan base and everybody around Alabama when they saw Jamison Williams go down with that injury.
6: Oh, gosh. It was uh, deflating, I think, is the best way to say it. Because you had already lost John Mechie in the SEC Championship game win over Georgia. So you knew you already were missing a, a key bullet in the gun, uh, And then to have Jamison go down, especially at the end of an explosive play in which it was non-contact related, just really, really tough. First and foremost, you hated it for him because he deserved, if this was going to be his only season at Alabama, which we all knew that was pretty much the case at that point, uh, even if it would have ended in a loss, uh, he, he had earned the right to go out on the field rather than sideline. Same for John Mechie, too. That was the shame of his situation. But uh, for the fan base, you just at that point covering that team, and I'm sure for the fans, you just got the sense that, you know what, it may be that this season has just caught up with Alabama because now you've undergone pretty significant injuries on defense at outside linebacker, whereas Will Anderson was still available. You were going about four and five deep. At outside linebacker, uh, at corner, you were down to two sub subs at, at those spots in the national championship game. And now you were without your two starting wide receivers. Two, uh, again, the best tandem, one of the best tandems in all of college football. So, you know, that was a lot of pressure to put on Bryce Young to try to lift all the boats around him. And, you know, look, we'd say that and Alabama in the fourth quarter was still in a position to win its seventh national title. Under Nick Saban, you give Georgia credit. The dogs finally did what they needed to do to get over the forty-one year hump. But no, when he went out with that injury, you you just you, you had to to really wonder uh, what the viability was for for this Alabama team to to do what six others before it had done under Nick Saban.
5: Travis, what are you hearing about the injury with Jamison Williams? Because he didn't participate in the pro day, but by all accounts, he's been moving around. I know there's video of him running. He said he's been doing some movement in the pool. What are you hearing about his recovery process and when he might be ready to go?
6: It sounds really positive, which tells me that other than the ACL, there must not have been extensive damage to maybe some neighboring ligaments or some structure there. Uh, that could be problematic yeah uh, you know, we we say it in terms these days scott is just an acl man what 10 years ago just an acl was at least a year to really get back from and now with you know the able to the way they're able to perform these procedures and uh, the rehab process and how that's improved uh, it's become more of a six-month entry it feels like in terms of getting back to to full functionality so You know, I would think for him, as it is with most guys in this situation, you're going to wonder about his mental state, you know, where he's at in terms of the confidence that he has in that knee. But as far as being able to do everything, uh, he's gone as far as to say he expects to be fully cleared by the start of training camp. So, you know, here's the thing too, as you know, these clubs are not going to let a stone go, uh, you know, without looking under it when they when they consider that knee. And so I got to think when he's having visits with clubs or you know clubs are coming in to check him out, uh, that situation is being thoroughly, thoroughly checked into. And so I, I feel confident that next Thursday, Friday, Saturday, once we get to the NFL draft, uh, teams are going to feel very, very good about what they know and what their expectations should be for Jamison. But everything sounds really good. And, you know, we we used to think about it in terms of, well, once he gets to the National Football League, his medical care, his rehab, all those things are going to elevate. I can tell you at Alabama, you know, in the last couple of years, they've built a $14 million sports science center. So he's gotten a nice head start on the process, just in terms of his accessibility, uh, to that facility. And, uh, you know, what Alabama's built there from a, a sports injury prevention, sports science perspective,
5: Travis, Jamison Williams is from St. Louis originally. Then he played at Ohio state and then Alabama, very, very different than being in New York, how do you think he would fit in in New York? Do you think it would be a good fit for him and for the Jets? And then also offensive system-wise, Mike LaFleur likes to run an offshoot of that San Francisco offense, requires a lot of big plays after the catch, quality route running. How do you think he would do there?
6: Oh, I think in terms of the, the culture and you know the, the microscope that Gotham, New York City presents, uh, I think Jamison will be fine. You know, We've talked about it before a couple of years ago with Alabama players, you know, it's not like they're coming from uh, it's not like they're coming from Youngstown state. You know, I mean, when they play at Alabama, they are under as big a microscope uh, as intense a microscope as you can imagine uh, at the college level. Yes. New York. I understand the entirely different ball game we're talking about, but I do think that's where an area like a place like Alabama prepares guys in ways that, other programs cannot. I think if you're Jamison, you're fine. You're comfortable. You're probably excited by the the prospect of, of playing in New York. I, I think with the Jets, you're probably thinking, okay, well, is Zach Wilson going to be the real deal? You know, is, is that offense going to eventually approve to uh, a point where I can have the individual success? And more importantly, can we win? Um, you know, that's – you think about where – Jamison Williams comes from at the college level <laughs> Ohio State and Alabama they they win so um, I think he would adapt just fine to everything that goes with playing in New York um, systematically what you described to me there's some of those elements that he's been a part of at Alabama you know I think he's perceived to be anyway as more of a take the top off the defense guy But when you go back and really watch him, he has the short space quickness and that ability to make some people miss. So I think either way, uh, he can be fine.
5: Travis bama BamaOnline.com. Thanks so much for coming back on the show and telling us a little bit more about Jamison Williams that we might not have known just from watching him on tape. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to another conversation if the Jets draft Jamison Williams. In the meantime, tell everybody where they can find your work and how they can get a hold of you on social media.
6: Yeah, just go to BamaOnline.com or Alabama.247sports.com. We're going to have continuing coverage of the Alabama contingent leading up to next weekend's NFL draft. So we'll have you covered from the Alabama perspective. And on social media, you can find me at Twitter, on Twitter, at Travis Ryer, T-R-A-V-I-S-R-E-I-E-R. And, Scott, once again, man, thanks so much for having us back on.
5: You heard all about Jamison Williams beyond the film. Now let's actually dig into the film We've got an All-22 review up on our YouTube channel. If you haven't watched it yet, go ahead and check it out. And, of course, subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. And so we bring in the gentleman who did the All-22 film review on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, the Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant. Luke, what's up, brother?
3: I'm going pretty well. Uh, I don't like the wide receiver class a lot. If you watch any of the videos on the YouTube, you'll probably know that by now. But I have to say I'm a big fan of Jameson Williams. I'd say he shakes out as my wide receiver one. So looking forward to talking a little bit about him today.
5: Luke, let's start with the fact that, as I said, he is very dynamic. There's no question about it. You watch his tape, and the first thing that stands out to you is his explosiveness. Take us through that.
3: Yeah, there's a reason that if you look at his player comps on 99% of websites, it's a guy like Will Fuller or Deshaun Jackson. He is a an explosive deep threat that can take the top off a defense, But there are reasons I like him over a Henry Ruggs coming out of Alabama just a couple of years ago, and that's obviously not related to the the off-the-field stuff. But on the field, Henry Ruggs ran past a lot of guys, and that's fantastic. That's what John Ross did, and that's why he was drafted in the first round. What separates Jamison Williams from those guys' prospects is the intricacies of his route running, his ability to change direction, to sink his hips in and out of breaks, and to beat people on double moves. There was a route that stood out against Texas A&M, for example, where... An incredible double move. He is able to sink his hips to the inside, sell that he's running a post. The corner starts to open up his hips. He attacks the leverage, breaks out on a vertical route, and then takes it for a touchdown. That's the perfect example of what Jamison Williams can do as a deep threat. Then in conjunction with that, once he catches the football and tracks it over his shoulder, something he does so well, catching the ball in the bucket, it's then the ability to hit that sixth gear and accelerate away from defenders. There aren't many players you watch on tape that you you can see them hit that gear and you watch them physically pull away from other world-class athletes jameson williams is one of those guys and uh, it's exciting to watch so that they're kind of the things that make him such an explosive deep threat there are other aspects of his game where it can be explosive too. yards after catch we saw some of that sprinkled in i'm sure we'll get into it but he's a true 4340 guy and when you combine that. With the ability to run crossing routes, to run from the seam, and then also be explosive and dynamic from the outside on double moves, that's when you get a Deshaun Jackson. That's when you get a guy like Tyreek Hill. I'm not saying he's that caliber of player or to expect that kind of career, but I think that's the style of player you're looking at.
5: Luke, you brought up yards after the catch, so let's discuss that because that's very important in the Mike LaFleur offense. Jamison Williams might be the best player in this draft at getting yards after the catch, which is why I think we both agree that he would be a perfect fit in this offense. Talk a little bit about that special ability that he has.
3: Yeah, I think he's really good at it because people talk about uh, Wilson at OSU and him being a great scheme fit for the Jets because he's a route runner. I get it to some extent, but he's not a good yards after catch guy compared to other guys in this class and other receivers we've seen over the last two or three years. Uh, gets tackled very easily, doesn't have great re-acceleration. That's what stands out about Williams. He can stop start so, so quickly. And it's similar to what we said on the deep ball. The ability to find that sixth gear and accelerate out is second to none. The lateral quickness, the agility, uh, the ability to kind of jump cut and make a defender missing space is good. But then also if you're running a drag and you get the football and you can run as fast as Jameson Williams can, that is dynamic after the catch. There were multiple examples. I think there was one against Cincinnati, a couple of other games where he caught a drag, a slant, and he can take it to 30, 30, 40 yards to the house. And that's something the Jets haven't had. Elijah Moore did it against Miami last year, and that's the first we've seen of it in a very, very long time. But now you put two of those guys on the field, sorry, two of those guys on the field together. That's an incredibly dynamic combination. You then get a boundary receiver like Corey Davis. You have a slot guy like Braxton Berrios, and you're rounding out your unit. But to go back to your question, the dynamic after the catch, you can use him on these ender and jet sweeps. I still think Elijah might be slightly better at it, but if you have two of them, that just makes the, the, the possibilities endless for Michael LaFleur.
5: Luke, I don't think Jamison Williams' route running gets talked about enough. You touched on it a little bit before. But I think he's a much better route runner than people give him credit for. I'm not saying that he's Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy was an elite route runner coming out of Alabama. But this is a player who runs really good routes. We saw that in the game against Cincinnati where they were using him more as a possession receiver to run those short routes. Because of John Mechie being out of the game And he did very well And I actually thought that the Cincinnati game Despite the fact that it wasn't one of his Best on paper performances In terms of eye-popping stats Showed you a side of Jamison Williams That you hadn't seen before And it really showcased to me What a complete receiver he is And the route running is a big part of that It showed the
3: versatility, right? I mean, if you can do it on deep routes You can do it on the short and intermediate tree as well and just because we hadn't seen it, like we always say, doesn't mean that Jamison Williams couldn't do it. You put him in that situation like we saw in the semifinal, and even though he didn't go off, as you said, and didn't have those explosive plays, you saw the nuanced route running, the ability to win on releases. There's a knock that's going around on the internet right now, especially on Twitter, talking about how he struggled in his limited reps against press coverage on the outside. And look, you kind of expect that because he's a lighter guy. But there were enough examples of him winning where I went, I don't think it's going to be a major issue. He has the tools to beat it. And if they miss on a press and they miss with a stab and they don't get him in the line of scrimmage, then you're in incredible trouble deep down the field. So I don't think he's going to see that much press anyway, especially if the Jets utilize him correctly. You can definitely stack him and get creative with his utilization. But his route running is good. It's not elite. It's not one of the best aspects of his game but it's something that's definitely underrated and i think it needs to be talked about more
5: let's talk about his blocking a little bit luke as you said he's a lighter guy so it's not something that he's really known for is there some blocking ability there that hasn't been discussed much
3: look uh, there's a little bit of blocking ability there as we kind of have already mentioned throughout he's a lighter framed guy but he's kind of that Terrier who's going to put his head in the dirt and he's going to work for you. And he'll always maximize his effort. You're never going to question whether Jamison Williams is, is you know, putting in 100% on a blocking play. And if he's trying to get the most out of a freeze running back, he'll do that. But he has physical limitations. And first and foremost, that's the most important thing with blocking. Look, I understand that in the past, we've talked a lot about these receivers in the drafts, the Denzel Mims, when we got Corey Davis in free agency, and a lot's been made of. Joe Douglas, uh, and also the Lafleur system liking these bigger guys who can block in the running game. But look at who they've been targeting recently. You look at Tyree Kill, some of these names that have popped up and the Jets have been actual players in them. It's not just about the running game anymore. They're starting to look for those dynamic pieces that can take the top off. So can he do a job for you? Yes, to some extent but it's definitely not going to be his calling card. It's not going to be something that you're going to be, you know, looking at the film going, look at Jameson Williams getting it done every single week. It's just kind of going to be a a blasé kind of part of his game. And I don't think you can expect too much.
5: You brought up Tyree Kill, and I think that's worth diving into a little bit because the Jets obviously made a big effort to get Tyree Kill. So clearly they want somebody with that kind of ability. Now, I don't think Jamison Williams is as much like Tyree Kill as some people want to make it out to be. They'll say, oh, he's a Tyree Kill clone. That's why the Jets are going after him. I do think he's the most like Tyree Kill from the speed and explosiveness standpoint of anybody in this draft. But talk to me a little bit about what the Jets would be getting in that regard, and why he's both a little bit similar, but mostly kind of different from Tyree Hill.
3: Yeah, you know what? I think it's the build that makes him the most different from Tyree Hill. If you look at Hill, he almost has that running back body. You look at almost a build like Debo Samuel. Look, Debo's just bigger, and he's kind of a unicorn. But they're both thicker athletes. Jamison Williams more slight in his frame and his build. He's only kind of around that one. 85, 190 pounds. I think he's just scraping six foot one. So you're not getting that caliber of athlete from a sturdiness perspective. You probably can't do as many things on trick plays for a sustained period of a career as a guy like Tyreek Hill, but that explosiveness and straight line speed, and also the lateral agility is there. There was a play I looked at in the review that's up at the moment on the play like a jet YouTube. I think it was against Arkansas and he catches the ball on just a little slant with a nice release. And there's a free safety in the middle of the field. And it's just a routine play. He eliminates that angle just with blazing speed across the field. In the end, he takes it for a touchdown, like a 40-yard touchdown. But it's all because of that straight line speed and that ability to go from zero to 100 in literally an instant. So I think that's the similarity to Tyreek Hill. There's other things that I think Hill can do that Jamison Williams won't be able to. But... Overall, I think if you're looking for just a speed comparison, I get it. And he can do some yard after catch things like Tyreek Hill. Is he Tyreek? No. Is he a guy like Will Fuller or Deshaun Jackson? No. He's probably somewhere in the middle. He's probably somewhere like Jalen Waddle with a little bit more explosion. So I think that's kind of the best way I can surmise the similarities and differences to Tyreek Hill. But I think he'd give this offense something they don't really have. And I know we've talked about Elijah Moore and what he can do, but I think he has a raw physical ability that is unmatched by just about nearly anyone else in the NFL, to be honest.
5: Luke, talk to me a little bit about how you'd expect Zach Wilson to utilize somebody like Jamison Williams, because you've watched a lot of Wilson's tape, both at BYU and with the Jets. How would they mesh together? I think they'd be
3: great. I mean, if you look at Wilson at BYU, his ability to throw the deep ball to Dax Mill and just some of the other guys there was second to none. And then we got to the NFL and Michael Lafleur for the first month of the season wanted to do nothing except run play action and try and hike the ball deep on first down and second down in the first quarter of games. Zach Wilson struggled and everything kind of fell apart for the next five or six weeks until the injury. I think if they get this right and the offense takes shots at the right time and Zach Wilson's confidence is higher and he's playing at a better level because I'm not just putting it on the floor. Wilson was also terrible. But he can be that deep threat and get that separation. Think back to the Panthers game. He threw some balls deep in that game. One to Denzel Mims down the sideline where he got hit in the sternum extremely hard. He threw another ball to Elijah Moore early on uh, where Moore couldn't bring it, bring it in. He throws a great deep ball. And this is the best guy at tracking that deep ball and getting open with that nuance we talked about with the route running. He's so good at setting people up. So that's something that definitely works. But we've also talked about the holistic ability of his game. We talked about the Cincinnati game and how he was able to replace Mechie and do those kind of chain-moving things that the offense can require sometimes here in the flow system. So I think he can do a multitude of things. He can do the end-around things and some of the screens and that yard-after-catch ability. So I think he can just be that piece that, based on the matchup, you can do anything you like with him. He can play on the outside and try and win one-on-one. He can be the deep threat. He can play from the slot. It's such a multiple piece to have for the offense. I think Zach Wilson, no matter the usage, is just going to fall in love with Jameson Williams.
5: One thing we heard when the Jets were pursuing Tyreek Hill is that a big part of why they really thought he would be perfect for this offense is because the bulk of the defense that gets played in the AFC East in the secondary is man coverage. And Tyreek Hill can beat man coverage all day long. Could Jameson Williams do the same thing?
3: It's a great question because... There's a bit of a study that came out a couple of weeks ago. I think PFF drove it, and it was talking about win rates for wide receivers against man press on the outside. And they went through the numbers, and for the most part, the class was pretty good. Someone who struggled a bit but in a tiny sample size was Jamison Williams. Now, the reason is in college football, a lot of these teams are scared to press him on the outside because he has that kind of speed that if you get beaten by just a millisecond, it's going to be over. He's just going to leave you in, in in the dust, so to speak. So there's not a whole lot of film out there. But if you look at the skill set and some of the traits that are there on tape, the twitchiness, the ability to get off the line of scrimmage quickly, some of the releases that he showcased, especially later in the season. I think about the Texas A&M game, the Arkansas game, even the Cincinnati. He showed me enough to believe he really can be an absolute threat against man press, and he can beat that. And then when you're just drawing man coverage at him, he can run away from you. Literally, speed is a great way to beat man coverage across the field. You're talking about speedos, over routes, slants, having that speed and quickness across the field. That is the easiest way to beat man coverage in the NFL. And then on top of that, he's got the lateral quickness. He's got the ability to flip his hips and get in and out of breaks. So, so silkily so. I believe he can beat man coverage at an extremely high level. We probably haven't seen it to the max yet from him, but assuming this knee's okay and everything goes well and the Jets are happy to take him, I think he can be a guy who can defeat man coverage very, very easily and do it frequently as well.
5: Luke, you talked about his deficiencies as a blocker, but with Jamison Williams... We know the medical situation, and that's going to be something that doctors are going to have to figure out. So I don't want to count that as a negative beyond what we already know, because as far as the complicated medical stuff, we'll leave that to the medical professionals. And if the Jets do draft Jameson Williams, Dr. Stoller will come on the show and we'll go through the injury and discuss the ramifications of it. But beyond that, I wanted to know anything that you watched on his tape that made you concerned at all about the possibility of the Jets drafting him?
3: Uh, no, to be honest, not really. And this is why he was clearly the wide receiver one for me. Was There wasn't a deficiency that made me think, this is the hole in his game. This is what's missing. Is he going to be a contested catch monster? No, he is not. But there are examples against Texas A&M. He catches a ball against zone coverage over the middle. He gets hit by the safety and the corner almost simultaneously, and he still holds the ball through contact. He had a really nice contested grab against Arkansas where he had to uh, adjust to the catch late, make it through traffic away from his frame. So even though, again, like the blocking, it's not going to be a calling card, I didn't look at it and think that's going to be a weakness. He can't catch the ball across the middle in traffic. He's going to flinch if a safety comes at him. He's a little bit like Elijah Moore. I think he's a very reliable hands catcher. um, And then he's also great at tracking it over the shoulder. So I don't think that's a weakness, but I think that's something people could perceive as a weakness. Uh, And outside of that, I really think he's just got a well-rounded game. If Joe Douglas believes that he's the guy at 10, I could live with it. I haven't said that about any other wide receiver. It would almost be a disaster in my eyes if they took any of these other guys. But I think if Williams is healthy, and look, as you said, we're not the people to have the knowledge in that area. I know you have some great doctors on the show, people that have a lot more knowledge than us. But if the Jets staff think he's healthy and that's the direction they want to go in, I could live with it. Is it my first choice? It probably isn't, no. But I still think Jamison Williams is wide receiver one and it's because of the holistic nature of his game and he doesn't have those glaring holes in it.
5: Luke, can you dive in a little bit more about what you were just talking about with Williams being your clear number one wide receiver in this draft?
3: Yeah, I just look at the other guys and I just really wasn't, taken aback with their film i mean i I like burks and what he offers but i think he does lack some polish some route running and that doesn't mean he can't do it but it means there's definitely more inherited risk which you don't really want to take at number 10 overall especially when you're the new york jets right now and the position we're in as a franchise drake london did a lot of things well but i don't think he really has a calling card outside of contested catches and that's not something i want to hang my hat on in the nfl either uh, Garrett Wilson, just the film just didn't resonate with me. I didn't think there was enough explosion at times. I thought there was some balance issues coming in and out of breaks. Some of his stride patterns, I just saw a couple of things I didn't love there. Chris Alave has no ability after the catch, really, which is quite amazing when you look at his short area quickness and how he gets open in the red zone and in short spaces. So I looked at all these players and, and I just kept finding faults and finding holes and reasons that I wasn't happy with them being taken at 10 and Jameson Williams was the guy that I went, he's a better deep threat than Garrett Wilson. Well, he's much better after the catch than Drake London, despite the missed tackle numbers. Okay, well, he doesn't have the drops. He's got the blazing speed. And there really was nothing left to go, well, that's what he can't do. So in the end, that plus the higher ceiling, it, it made it pretty obvious that he was uh, he was wide receiver one for me.
5: Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under, thanks so much for coming on and breaking down Jameson Williams' film with me, really appreciate it. Anybody who hasn't seen the video that you put up with the All-22 review of Jameson Williams on our YouTube channel should go check that out right now. They should subscribe to the channel if they haven't already as well, because that Williams video is great, but there's so many more, and there's more coming. Talk a little bit about what's up on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel right now, what's coming and our store over at that's teepublic.com that's t e e public.com
3: yeah, the T Public stuff is awesome, and I'm sure there'll be more content once the Jets make their selection uh, come the end of April. But right now you've got Zach the Ripper range. The Zach Wilson says go long with Zach Wilson in cartoon form pointing down the field. Play Like a Jets logo in the background. It's awesome. You've got Play Like a Jet logo merch. The Bless You Thank You range based around Quinn and Williams and John Franklin Myers and that dynamic duo there on the interior for the Jets. You can turn these things into stickers Put them on shirts, onto hats, onto apparel, anything you like. Really versatile stuff. You can make really cool merch with it. So that's across at T, uh, T- Public. Make sure you check it out. You can find it, I know, in your bio, Scott, across at Play Like a Jet One on Twitter. So make sure you check it out if you're interested. That's T Public. And then across on the YouTube channel, look, we had a bit of a hiatus. I've been a little bit crooked, but we're back on board. We've got the video on Williams we've talked about today. There's a video coming on George Karloftis. Uh, there's going to be so many more pieces on some of the second and third tier wide receivers, corners, and edge group because I know they're the three positions that Jets fans are looking at the most. That's what most people think they're going to pick between picks 35, 38, and 69. So there's going to be more guys like Alec Pierce and Sky Moore and all those kind of guys, some of the edge class like Boye Mafe, and that's who we're going to be seeing on uh, focusing on as we get closer to this draft
5: go to the play like a jet youtube channel watch all the videos if you haven't already and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done that already also visit our store at tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com that's public.com and give us a five-star review for the podcast on itunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcast and content you know where to go